So we are in the midst of our 24-7 prayer room, and we are doing a series right alongside it. This year, the, the theme of the prayer room and the series is called Encounter. And the reason we're calling it that is because what we all need is encounter with God. When we encounter God, he changes us. And as we go through this series, we're going to look at just six people uh, from the Bible who had encounters with God and how uh, these encounters can be informative for us of what an encounter with God looks like. So we're not trying to necessarily have these same types of encounters as, as what we read, but to draw principles from them that we can apply in our lives. They give us categories for the various ways that we can encounter God. These examples that we read in the Bible help us to see how, again, how a person can encounter God and walk it out by giving it away to others. The definition for an encounter with God that we're using is, is when we become uniquely aware of his presence with us and around us, and that changes us and how we live. So an encounter with God is when we're aware of his presence and that changes us. The next person we're going to look at uh, this morning is Samuel. If you have a Bible with you, I invite you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 3. If you still uh, carry around one of those physical copies, uh, 1 Samuel is about a quarter of the way into the Bible. So if you find that, you should land in 1 or 2 Samuel. Before I read, I want to give, give a little context. So Samuel was born before Israel had a king. Samuel's mother was a woman named Hannah, and Hannah was barren. What she longed for was it for a child. She would pray desperately that God would give her a child, and, and one day God answered that prayer. And when she found out she was pregnant, she dedicated this child to the Lord. And so when he had been weaned, she took him uh, to live with the priest at that time, who was a man named uh, Eli. Now, Eli... Uh, had two sons, and they were real sons of a gun. That's a technical theological term. Uh, so if you're not sure, come find me afterwards. I can explain what that means. So as I said, uh, he was raised from about the age of three to five until adulthood. And at the time of this passage that we're going to read this morning, Samuel's probably 12 years old. So turn with me uh, to 1 Samuel 3. Where I'm going to read verses 1 through 14. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel! Yes? Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? 
I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time, and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if, one, if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed. And the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, speak, your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am about to do a shocking thing in Israel. I'm going to carry out all my threats against Eli and his family from beginning to end. I have warned him that judgment is coming upon his family forever because his sons are blaspheming God and he hasn't disciplined them. So I have vowed that the sins of Eli and his sons will never be forgiven by sacrifices or offerings. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being with us. Thank you for your word that is relevant to us today. Help us to glean the truth that each one of us needs this morning. Lord, you know each person who's here in the room, who's watching online intimately. You know what we all need. And I ask this morning that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts to understand. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to do something a little bit different this morning. I'm going to walk through Uh, what I think are the pertinent parts of this passage, and then talk through some of the principles that we see that help us for an encounter with the Lord. What I want us to remember this morning, if, if we take nothing else away, that it would be this, that an encounter with the Lord is about learning your God language. Now, we all have the ability to hear from the Lord in a variety of ways, But I would say we usually have a primary way that we hear from the Lord. I would argue that if we're able to learn that, then we're going to be able to hear from the Lord on a more regular basis, which leads to more encounters with the Lord. So again, an encounter with the Lord is about learning your God language. Now that's not limited just to today, but really this is something hopefully that we can see throughout the whole series as we go through. Now we read in verse 1 that messages from the Lord were quite uncommon and visions were rare. This is why Samuel didn't know who it was that was talking to him. Hopefully that gives hope to some of us in this room who, who have difficulty hearing from the Lord. Maybe we think that we never have or, or we haven't in some time. It's a reminder that we all have to start somewhere. Verse 1 really is informative for the rest of the passage. Then we see what I would call a conversational triangle. The Lord calls out to Samuel, who thinks it's Eli, 
goes to Eli, says, you called me? Eli lets him know, no, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. And this happens three times. And after the third time, finally Eli realizes it's the Lord. It took him a while, I think, for a couple of reasons. One, he's sleeping. Leave me alone. I want to go back to sleep. Also, probably more likely, it's because messages from the Lord were quite uncommon and visions were rare. In the midst of this conversational triangle, we get a a parenthetical statement in verse 7 that explains why Samuel didn't know who was speaking. It says, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. The author is making a connection between knowing the Lord and receiving a message from him. So once Eli realizes who it is that's probably calling out to Samuel, he gives him instructions. He says, if you hear that voice again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Something else I think we should notice here is that each of the first three times that the Lord calls out to Samuel, he he calls his name one time. He says, Samuel. Then the fourth time, it's Samuel, Samuel. I mentioned this last week, and it's true again. In this culture, when somebody repeats your name, it's a term of affection, a term of endearment. So like with Moses, the Lord has affection for Samuel before Samuel even knows him. This is true for us. Wherever we are on the journey, if we're still trying to figure out what we think of Jesus, if if we just started following him or if we've been walking with him for quite some time, the Lord has affection for you. Even here at a young age, like I said, most likely 12 years old, Samuel shows the difference from Eli's sons because he listens to to Eli. He says almost verbatim the instruction that Eli gives to him. And once Samuel realizes that it's the Lord who's calling out and he says, speak, the message that he gets is in verses 11 to 14. And just to kind of summarize it, the Lord essentially says, I'm going to do what I said I was going to do. I'm not waiting. Eli's sons are not going to be held accountable for what they've been doing. Imagine that being the first message you get. You've got to go to your surrogate father and let him know, hey, your sons, they're not going to get away with it anymore. After what we read, the story goes on that Eli wants to know what the Lord told Samuel, and Samuel's hesitant, understandably so. Until Eli essentially curses Samuel and says, if, if you don't tell me what the Lord said, may bad things happen to you. And once he gets the message, he kinda, Eli resigns himself and his family to the Lord's decision. So this passage is about coming to know the Lord and, and learning what his voice sounds like. Samuel three times mistakes the Lord's voice for Eli. And when Samuel finally realizes that it's the Lord, he has an encounter. And this begins his journey of learning what the Lord's voice sounds like and then speaking what the Lord has given him. 
I think there's a challenge in this for us. The challenge is that it's easier to listen to a Samuel than to become a Samuel. It's easier to go to someone who hears from God to get a word than to cultivate a lifestyle of hearing from God directly. So this morning, if you're interested in learning how to hear from God directly, this should be a good start. If you already feel confident about your ability to hear from the Lord, hopefully you get some good reminders uh, this morning. The first principle that we're going to look at for having an encounter with the Lord and learning your God language is to know that God wants to speak to you. Know that God wants to speak to you. Right? It is not humility to think, who am I that God would want to speak to me? In fact, I would say that's pride. The reason it's prideful is because you are deciding that your system of deciding who's worthy for God to speak to is better than his. It would be like me thinking, who am I to think that I'm the husband to my wife? Who am I to think that I'm the father to my children? Who am I to think that I'm the executive pastor of this church? I am each of those roles. Those are the positions I hold in each relationship. Now, to be clear, position does not equal merit. To say I am each role doesn't mean I deserve to be. Hopefully I do. That's a different conversation. But if we've given our allegiance to King Jesus, then we're children of God. We don't deserve that because by nature we are living in rebellion. We're born into rebellion. But if we've surrendered our lives to King Jesus and recognize that he's rescued us out of sin, then our position is child of God, bride of Christ, beloved, holy, blameless. Do you know that's true? None of us deserve that, but that's our position. And since it's our position, part of our inheritance is to know that the Father wants to speak to us. If you're still wrestling with that, then a question I have is, at what point would you warrant God being able to speak to you? Is it when, when you run a business, if you lead a group or a ministry, a church, maybe you have a governmental position of authority? Remember, Samuel's 12 years old, and God comes and speaks to him. And if that, still, that's our view. We have an invitation to repent, to change our mind about whether or not we think we're worthy for God to speak to us. As a dad, I'd be heartbroken if any of my kids didn't think they deserved my attention. I would argue that actually childlike faith is demonstrated by knowing that God wants to speak to us. For my wife and I, our kids have no chill when it comes to talking to us. Right? They, they start talking when one of their siblings is. Almost like the thought, why wouldn't you want to hear what I have to say right now in this very moment? They have a hard time giving Carrie and me time together. Like, 
why would we give you and mom time alone when we could be with you? But that's what the father, he never needs alone time. Another important aspect of knowing that God wants to speak to us is because it's part of knowing, knowing him and being known by him. Again, verse 7 connects hearing from God with knowing God. Samuel at this time knew about God. He didn't know God. He knew that there was a God. I'm sure he was familiar with the stories of what God had done for his people up until this point. I'm sure he knew he was a miracle baby. But he didn't know God until this moment. If you have a favorite athlete, musician, actor, business person, author, what have you, and you, re- and you read all that they've said or watch all that they've done, you actually don't know them until you have a conversation with them. We can know a lot about God and not know him. So learning to hear the Lord is, grow, is, is really about growing and knowing him. When we hear the Lord and do what he says, there's an encounter. So this morning, if you want to start to be able to hear, hear from the Lord, then start with Samuel's prayer. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. As I mentioned last week, the Lord won't compete with the noise of our lives. God doesn't force his way in. He's the king, but the way that he is the king is not to overpower, but to partner. He honors our decisions. He allows us to create unnecessary challenges for ourselves when we make decisions apart from him. Samuel, at a young age, learned that God wanted to speak to him. So again, part of having an encounter with the Lord and learning your God language is to know that the Lord wants to speak to you. The next principle we see from this passage of having an encounter with the Lord and learning your God language is find a guide. Find a guide. StoryBrand is an organization I've been learning a lot from lately. And they talk about how there's seven elements to a story. And every popular story follows this, pr- this framework. Part of the framework is in a story, early on we meet a character, we find out he or she has a problem, and then they come across a guide who helps them overcome that problem. So a very popular example in Star Wars. Luke Skywalker has to defeat the evil empire. He has Obi-Wan and Yoda as guides to overcome his challenge. A recent pretty popular example is the, the show Queen's Gambit. I don't know if you've seen that, but the main character is a young lady named Beth Harmon. And she encounters multiple problems throughout her life, learning how to play chess and grow as a person and Multiple people serve as guides for her to overcome those problems. So a guide is simply someone who's further down the path that you're traveling 
and has been able to overcome the problem that you have. A guide interprets for us. As a child, I I remember my maternal grandmother saying, hold your horses and hold your water. If you don't know what that means, it means be patient. She loved using it. I don't know if one had more weight than the other. I'll ask her later. Now, those are idiomatic expressions. And you can't translate idioms from one language to another word for word. You need an interpreter to know what the expression means in one language to the other. Learning to hear from God can feel like learning a new language. And a guide helps us to learn that language as we go along. Here at the Indy Vineyard, we believe God speaks through dreams. And years ago, I knew of this idea of recurring dreams. But I'd say probably because of entertainment, my paradigm was a recurring dream was they happened exactly the same way every time. Sometimes they do. But about 13 or 14 years ago, someone explained to me, no, no, a recurring dream means there's common elements. And then it all came together. I realized there were a couple of recurring dreams I had. One was I was in a car flying down the highway and nobody's in the driver's seat. That's a lot of fun. The other is I would show up to my soccer practice or game late and without all my gear. Right? So those of you who love to ter- interpret dreams, I know what they mean, so don't, you don't have to come tell me now. Once I realize what they mean, they stopped. All right. That person who explained it, they were a guide to me. And once I realized it, I was able to encounter God in my dreams. Now, it's not a primary way, but it's a way that God speaks. A guide was needed to be able to interpret what was happening. Earlier this week, I had a conversation with a, a good friend who's served as a guide for me for at least 10 years and talking with him about something I was processing and you know, I had a sense of what I felt like God was saying. And, you know, he reassured me and said, yep, God's already speaking to you about that. That's what guides do. They confirm or they course correct. Help us to see, you know, think about it this way or try this. I've had the privilege of having many guides along the way, and they, a lot of them become friends. Right? They, they serve a purpose over a period of time. Maybe it's short, like the the individual I mentioned explaining recurring dreams, or maybe it's a long-term thing, like my friend I had a conversation with. I bring all this up because Eli was a guide for Samuel. Samuel had a problem. He didn't know who was calling to him. Eli knew that it must be God, so he gave him a call to action. Say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Eli's guidance helped Samuel to have an encounter with God. And Samuel became a guide for the nation of Israel for a time. He became a guide for King Saul and then King David. He helped Saul and David have encounters with God. So again, another principle that we draw out for having an an encounter with the Lord and learning your God language is find a guide. The final principle that we're going to look at for having an encounter with the Lord and learning your God language is know yourself. 
You may think, well, that's an odd part of learning the way that God speaks to me. And it's not explicitly in here, but I think it's something that we see throughout this whole series. And it's important to know because God has created each one of us and he knows us far better than we know ourselves. He likes what he's made. And he's going to speak to you and to me according to the way that he's made us. If you're unsure how you are, ask him and sit quietly and notice what comes to mind. Let me say this. And if it's negative, that's self-talk or it's from the enemy. So get rid of it. God's only going to speak what's positive and what's truthful. So we have to know what to look for if we're learning about how God speaks to us. Again, he's going to do it according to how we are, how he's, how he's made us. I'm not an artistic or symbolic person. I don't get many pictures for myself or for other people. For me, it's usually going to be a, a verse, maybe a person that I know about or a saying as some examples. But if I thought that the only way or the primary way that God spoke was through pictures, I would miss a lot of times that God is speaking to me. My wife, Carrie, she gets pictures. She, she's artistic. She, she often knows what they mean, and way more often than not, she's right. Not when we disagree, though. It would be wrong for us to desire to be other than the way that we've been created. Here's a challenge within this of knowing ourselves as well, is that if we know ourselves and how God speaks, then we're going to know when we're avoiding God. If you like that or if that challenges you, that's from me. If you don't like it, that was from Ian. (laughs) That was from Ian. That was really good. I got to give him credit. Dang it. So what do we do or not do when we're running from God? Can we be honest about ourselves? For me, I don't slow down. I'd rather take care of the things that are on my plate to give myself a false sense of peace. The Lord said to the nation of Israel through Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Guess what? The opposite is true. When we avoid God, we won't find him. Because he honors our decisions. He's the great pursuer who loves to be pursued. Our relationship is a two-way street. He's not going to force his way into our lives. So this morning, do you know the way that God most commonly speaks to you? Do you know the way that he speaks to you when he really wants to get your attention and have you ponder something. About 18 years ago, I realized that from when God really wants me to ponder something, be aware of something, that he'll give me the same message multiple times in a short period of time. So in the summer of 2003, I just graduated college. Uh, I was raising money for a ministry that I was going to be doing and getting ready uh, to get married. And there was a missionary that wanted to to meet with me. And so we met for for breakfast. I sat down, we were talking and getting to know each other. And he goes, just so you know, I don't have any money for you. (laughs) 
which is great when you're trying to raise support. Uh, but he said, but I do have something to share for you um, that, that came up. He goes, you know, years ago, I was studying in Isaiah, and the Lord got, grabbed my attention about how easy it is to keep God at arm's length. I thought, yeah, that's true. That's a good, good message. Thanks. Um, we left, parted ways, and turned on, turned on the radio in my car and had it on a Christian station. There was a sermon playing and sort of half listening, and I realized the pastor's talking about, you know, we often keep God at arm's length. And I was like, this sounds familiar. I pull into my parents' driveway and finish the, listening to the rest of the message. I turn off the radio and just like, God, do I do that? And it wasn't audible, but just sort of within me, a yes resounded within all right. I've not figured it out since then, but God wanted to draw my attention to something that was really important to him. So again, the final principle of having an encounter with the Lord and learning your God language is to know yourself. So where are you in your journey this morning? Do you need to realize that the Lord wants to speak to you and that it's time to ask him to do that. Do you need a guide? Do you need somebody who can help you with whatever problem you have right now, maybe in this area? We've got lots of, lots of great people that could be a guide. If that's you, I'd love to connect you with somebody. Do you know and appreciate who God made you to be. This passage, like every other passage in the Bible, points us to Jesus. Now, as I was thinking about how Samuel's encounter with the Lord points us to Jesus, I thought of his words in John 10, 27 to 30. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Friends, Jesus wants us to hear from him and he made it possible to do so by being the good shepherd who laid down his life for us and he took it up again. He wants us to remember what he's done on our behalf and the lengths that he has gone to to make this possible. He wants regular interaction with you and me. If I could have the band and the, any who are on the ministry team to come up. So again, this morning, we looked at how an encounter with the Lord is about learning your God language. That this is developed by knowing that God wants to speak to you, about finding a guide, 
and knowing yourself. So this morning, for our ministry time, if you want to hear from God and cultivate that lifestyle, I invite you to come up and, and receive prayer from, from one of our teams. Maybe you realize you need a guide. You've got a, a problem. You're not sure how to figure out. Maybe it's in this, in this area of learning to hear from the Lord, or maybe it's some other way. The team would love to pray for you and ask, ask God to move and intervene. Maybe you're realizing you don't know yourself all that well in the way that God wants to speak to you. These teams would love to pray for you and help you have insight and understanding. As we were worshiping that third song that we sang, uh, which Nancy wrote, by the way, I had the sense maybe some are realizing they want to know the Lord more. Right? He wants that too. That was stirring in your heart of, I want to know you. The Lord, the Lord will meet you in that place. If you have any spiritual, physical, or emotional need, these teams would love, love to pray for you. Um, before we really jump in, uh, have Heather come on up. Uh, so Heather texted me this morning with a word that uh, she had from the Lord and um, felt like, good job, felt like it would be uh, beneficial for all of us. Um, so this morning I heard the Lord say, um, trying to edit, I don't want to read, just read, like, read it like I wrote the text. Um, you encounter what you value, and what you value you trust. Um, I kept thinking about Moses and how he encountered the Lord and he obeyed, but he did it because he trusted and he knew God. Paul had an encounter with God that changed his heart and set him up, completely changed the course of his life. But he trusted God. Esther trusted the king while she waited. Um, and I just, I felt really strongly that the Lord kept saying, I don't weigh out my encounters. So where one was a burning bush, Samuel had just a whisper in the middle of the night. He doesn't weigh out his encounters. He just comes. No matter what we do or we don't do. Because Paul was in no shape for an encounter. We can't surrender to what we don't trust. So I just feel like there's a real grace um, in this time to grab hold of trust and believe that what you're hearing is from the Lord. Yeah. So Lord, I just ask right now that you would release your grace in this room to hear your voice. I pray that we would trust you, that we know, like the, the declaration of our lives, Father, as children is to hear your voice. In whatever shape that is, God, I pray that we would tune into your frequency and that you would make it easy for us to hear your voice in this season. Thank you, Jesus.